it's time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and a very good evening. It's Tuesday the 22nd of February. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business. What's the big news item today? I mean, is it really happening? I mean, how fast are the goalposts moving around COVID-19 and testing and self-isolation requirements and that? It really is staggering. And do you know what? It's hard not to get a little bit excited by it. Hopefully this is the end of it all. It's certainly looking good. And a big announcements due later this week with regard to all those restrictions and stuff. And wouldn't we'd all just love to be able to put it in the past as best we can you know not not forgetting how tough a two years it's been on many levels for so many people but it's good and positive and you know what we won't even discuss it tonight we're going to move on because as usual a jam-packed show for you Anbrook House Hotel in Mullingar celebrates 15 years in business today and owner Bertie Dunn will be along soon to talk about the family business that has big ambitions for the years ahead. Also, how to resolve commercial disputes without going to court and facing the high cost, the negative pub- publicity, and the long days that can be associated, delays that can be associated with that very process. And, and Local Enterprise Week 2022 starts on the 7th of March, and it'll be a blend of face to face and virtual events, seminars, and workshops. I'll have details on what's happening and when and how you can reserve your place at the various spotlight events that the local Leos are holding. Of course, if you want to get in touch with me here in the studio, if you've got an opinion or if you've got a question for any of this evening's guests, you can contact me on our text and WhatsApp number 083 103. Or if you want to get in touch with the show in general, please do so on business at midlands103.com. But up first this evening, as fuel prices continue to soar, I noted 167.8 per litre for diesel at a local filling station today and there's actually prices of around 175.9 in Dublin at present. New carbon taxes, of course, been introduced in May and as Germany today pledges to halt the certification of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline due to the Russia-Ukraine situation, the pressure it's putting on traditional methods of fueling, be it for vehicles, be it for your homes, is immense and you would notice gas prices have risen again. Stock markets are in turmoil based on what's happening there in Europe at the minute. So is the time now coming for you to seriously consider switching to an electric van? You're a business owner, you've got vans on the road, what are your kind of fears, what are your scepticisms about it? Is it something that you've looked into? Well, that's the topic we're going to look into now on the show because sales of our registrations of LCVs, that's light commercial vehicles, they rose by about 32% last year um, in, in comparison to the year 2020. That's according to new data from the Society of the Irish Motor Industry. However, only about 2.3% of 2021 LCV sales were actually electrical vehicles. So to find out more about EVs, how they can fit the needs of your business. I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Barrett. Mark is a general manager of Harris Maxis and they are one of the leading companies in the country that are really leading the charge in electric commercial vehicles and they have a growing range of electric buses and electric vans available. Mark, a very good evening to you. Thank you for coming on to Taking Care of Business. Ronan, good evening. Pleasure. Thank you. Mark, when it comes to looking at electric vehicles, particularly for the business owner who want looking maybe at converting their vans over to EVs, where are we at this point? Are we, you know, in line with other countries? Are we lagging behind? And, and what's the kind of, uh, what's the reception of the vehicles been like so far? Um, at the moment, we're, the interest level from, from companies looking to adapt towards electric has risen in the last six months. 
Um, I thought we're about another two years away before Ireland uh, kind of really embraces electric. But that certainly has, has come on a lot quicker. The biggest challenges for companies, I suppose, is, is, um, is, two, is a couple of things. Is one is that the government policies and, and incentives here for commercial vehicles is not great. It's something, something that really needs to be addressed from the government point of view. Um, the second thing is just awareness of electric vehicles. It's just an understanding of, of, of electric vehicles. Is it suitable for my application? There is no one silver bullet, I suppose, but what we do is when we're speaking to a new customer is we like to get an understanding of what your business model is, um, what your payload you require, are you on fixed routes every day, is the vehicle on one shift or is it on multiple shifts, and then we can identify if an electric vehicle is suitable for your application or not. Um, and the second part of the journey then of that is then we see what type of charging you need. Do you need to have rapid charging or is just standard uh, household charging good enough for, for your requirements? So again, we, we, we walked through the whole journey with the customer from, from A to Z. That in itself sounds vastly different than the traditional model of sell somebody a diesel van and they can just pop into any filling station. So you're, also, you're, you're almost acting like a consultant in the process. What are the biggest kind of concerns or maybe deal breakers when it comes to for, for somebody kind of to change over to electric vehicles then? Is it, is it you know, looking at the, the availability of charging points and trying to you know, make the their routes work for that? Or are there other things that come into play? Um, charging points certainly is is something that needs to be addressed in the country. We've less than two thousand uh, public charging points for fast charging. Um, I think we need to be somewhere in around a hundred thousand in the next three to four years. Um, the challenge around it is, is is just an understanding of of electric vehicles. It's understanding um, simple things like the battery in the vehicle, uh, the range that it, that you can get out of the vehicle. Um, like we remember years ago when we switched from the old handheld phones, the Nokia. To, to, to the first smartphone and all of a sudden we went from a, from a phone that held the charge for four to five days all of a sudden we needed to charge a smartphone um, every every day um, but that's something that people got over in over a very short period of, of, of time they did yes certainly and I, mean, I think anybody that has a current uh, iPhone in particular would say it's a couple of times a day at the minute hopefully that wouldn't be the case with, with vehicles as well but I suppose when you mentioned there about the best fit you know for the customer's application as well can you take us through the Maxis range and how I suppose the Harris Group initially originally started bringing Maxis into the country and how customers are you know what the feedback has been like so far no problem. We looked at, uh, we've represented Max's, um, formerly LDV, since 2015. We look after all of the right-hand drive markets in Europe. So we're the importer and distributor for all of right-hand drive markets in, in Europe and, of course, now the UK. Um, we've got independent dealers throughout the country. So we started off traditionally with our, with our diesel vehicle back in 2015. Um, a couple of years after that, in 2017, going into 2018, we launched our first electric van in, in the UK at the CV show, and that was the LDV EV80. So we had a number of customers in the UK who, who purchased the vehicles, and one of them was, I suppose, is Milk and More, which is your traditional uh, home delivery of milk, your doorman, uh, door-to-door milk deliveries. And we all remember back in the days, you know, 50 years ago, milk was delivered by electric vehicles. So they were the ones that probably set the, the precedence for everyone else to, to, to look at electric vehicles and see them. Yes, they actually do suit my business model. Before, people bought an electric vehicle as a green trophy to be seen, oh, I'm doing something green. But when you're looking at commercial vehicles, it has to be work. It has to work for your business model 
and it has to be viable um, for, for, for that. But I presume developments in technologies and battery technologies then also, they're, you know, it's, it's far from just being a kind of a greenwashing exercise now. These are vans that will actually perform and can they often even outperform the, the, the diesel version? And have you any kind of comparative figures on that? If you look at an electric vehicle towards a diesel vehicle um, in, in similar size, like for like, you're looking at a running cost on electric, at probably somewhere in around four cents per kilometre. Now, if you look at the equivalent in a diesel vehicle, that figure is around 15 cents per kilometre. So if you look at it over 100,000 kilometres on, on, on a vehicle, that's over 11,000 uh, euros of fuel saving alone. And that's based on the current price of fuel today. Now, again, fuel, as you know, is rising and rising rapidly at the moment. But if you look at 73% less on your running costs, day-to-day running costs on fuel alone. So for business owners to look, or even to look at electric vehicles, they need to see the total cost of ownership. So how much is a vehicle to purchase up front? What is the running cost of my vehicle over the life of the vehicle over four or five years period, whatever you retain the vehicle for? And again, residual value at the end of it. Will my diesel van be worth you know, similar in five years' time as it was a few years ago, or is the diesel prices of residual values of vehicles decreasing, which there will be. Electric vehicles, we know the second-hand values are increasing on an annual basis of over 20%. So you're future-proofing your, your fleet of vehicles by making that transition to electric. And again, if policy comes into play and the government decides to put in congestion charges in the cities and towns or low emission zones, again, in policy-driven then, there's obviously an additional uh, advantage then on the cost savings then relating to that. It is. I think that's an important point to raise, the residual value of the diesel van, that if you bought one five years ago and sold it now, it might have a certain value, but it will it will likely not return the same value in five years because the, the question would be there about will people be you know pushing towards decarbonising their fleet and moving towards the electric vehicles. Is there any concerns from potential customers around the fact that the diesel van they buy, or sorry, the electric van that they buy today in three to four years' time, the technology, the battery storage, it will be far superseded by the latest model and therefore the value will, will fall a lot more? Or are you seeing that 20% kind of, is that is that kind of remaining constant in terms of second-hand? Um, it, it's constant, but it's, it's actually, it's improving every year. Um, reality is, what determines residual value is demand. So at the, at the moment, we can go into any of the auction houses across Ireland or the UK, and you can see a number of used vehicles uh, been drip-fed through the auction block to keep the residuals up. When it comes to electric vehicles, you've got more demand than you have supply in the marketplace. And we can see that at the moment with used car prices um, rising up above 20 30% at the moment because there is a shortage of used vehicles in the marketplace because there's no new vehicles coming through the last couple of years in the same volume as we're used to. So that naturally just increases the residual values because there's more demand. And that's what's going to happen with electric vehicles, that in three, four or five years' time, the demand that's going to be there for electric vehicles. And so not everyone can afford a new electric vehicle. So hence, the use values will increase. I think we can see that even with the amount of deliveries that the companies like DPD and Fastway have been doing for the past two years, and that looks like it will continue, we'll probably see a lot of those companies indeed. DPD have invested heavily in electric vehicles over the past year, and I think other companies in that haulage sector will, will follow suit. But I presume Maxis would have a range as well. It goes beyond just commercial vans, does it? Do you also supply electric buses? And how do you think the transport sector is going to react and adapt to electric vehicles in time? 
from from the higher side of things with the electric buses we have, it's it's perfect. City buses for electric is ideal because it's on they're on fixed routes every day, so it's very easy to spec the vehicle out for for individual routes, and you know this will work all day every day. Um, from ourselves, we've got the electric vans. We've also this year we're going to introduce two new platforms into the Maxis family this year. One is going to be the Mifa Nine, and that's a full large size SUV. Oh, sorry, MPV seven-seater, uh, the MIFA 9. That's coming on stream this year, and we'll have our first all-electric 4x2 pickup. So the likes of your, 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 your Isuzu D-Max-style vehicle or your Hilux-style vehicle, we'll have the ET90 coming into production quarter three of this year. So again, we're branching out into the car sector and also then into the, into the light commercials. It certainly sounds like electric is the future. All of our new platforms coming from Stike are electric and electric only. There is no further development uh, or investment into ICE vehicles. So we know the future, we know it's coming, and it's just a matter of time. Well, I think you've certainly answered that whole kind of question people might have had about how, how quick can this come. And I know at national level, there are government targets of a couple of million EVs on the road by 2030. I think many people were probably sceptical of that. What you've just said there, it looks like we will certainly go a long way towards meeting that target. But for now, Mark Barrett, thank you so much for that update this evening. Um, it's fantastic to see a company taking the lead in decarbonising the electric fleet or the fleet around the country. And uh, here's your continued success up there. Brilliant. Thanks, Ronan. Mark Barrett is the General Manager at Harris Maxis. Um, you can check them out on www.harrisgroup.ie. I do believe there's an electric bus that is currently operating around Port Leash with a Martley coach hire, coach hire that may actually have come from Harris as well. If anybody from Martley's is listening there, you might give me a text on 083 103 and confirm whether I'm right or tell me whether I am wrong. would be delighted to hear from you. Stay tuned. After break, we're going to meet the owner of Anbrook House Hotel in Mullingar because today they celebrate 15 years in business and uh, whilst the last two years have been challenging for most people in the hospitality, the crew behind Anbrook House have nothing but big ambitions for the years ahead. It's a great story. You'll hear it just after this break. Still to come on Taking Care of Business, I'll have a, a roundup of all the big events that are happening from the 7th of March as part of local Enterprise Week all across the country. There's some face-to-face, some virtual events, lots of great stuff there for any business owner or any startup who's looking at really getting their foot onto the business ladder. Also, we'll look at the whole way around disputes can be resolved and particularly looking at things like arbitration and how it can save on a lot of costly court appearances and a lot of negative publicity that can go with protracted court processes. Um, That's all to come here on The Business Show. But first, we're going to go across to Mullingar and to the absolutely fabulous Anbrook House Hotel. They celebrate 15 years in business today and uh, I think there's a bit of a party atmosphere on over there at the minute. And uh, I'm delighted to be joined by the owner of the hotel, uh, Bertie Dunn. Good evening, Bertie. Uh, Congratulations on getting to 15 years. It's a big milestone for you. Thanks, Ron, and uh, good evening, and good evening to all your listeners. I want to listen. It, it, it's great to be there. Um, fifteen years on, um, it, it's hard to believe it's fifteen years, to be honest. But uh, yeah, no, brilliant, brilliant. Sounds like you're still enjoying yourselves. You first bought the property back in two thousand and one. Applied for a plan in '03. Started developing in '05 opened up in 07, but you had a bit of a mixed background yourself. You were farming, you were in construction, you'd been in Australia as well. What was it that attracted you and brought you towards uh, purchasing Anbrook House? Um, I had a nephew, uh, Paddy Keogh, living down there, uh, the Pottery Barn, which later became Keogh's furniture. 
And Paddy, um, told me about this uh, beautiful old house that was for sale in the centre of town. And he says, lovely um, uh, house with huge uh, potential for development on close to uh, one acre. So I thought... I came down to have a look um, at that. I'd been in um, the hotel business in Nace um, with my sister, the townhouse in Nace, and uh, having a, a, a public house in Prosperous, the village of Prosperous in Kildare. I had sold that, and I thought, you know, this is something that could be really nice. So we, 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 we absolutely were the last one to look at and and uh, something that uh, people say the last person to look at a property usually buys it. In this case, it was true. Very good. And so then you set about, you know, very ambitious plans to develop it into the hotel that is at present. Just give us a quick rundown, you know, of the number of bedrooms and and you know some of the key features of the hotel. Yeah. Well, actually, we, what we got there on site is thirty six two bedroom apartments, and then we also got thirty six uh, bedrooms in the hotel, which which. which uh, it has a different type of apartment. With the apartment accommodation, it caters a lot for families like that are, are moving to that and business people that are working in, in, in the area, which, you know, it works out very well, the mixture with the accommodation. But I suppose the, 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 the biggest thing we're seeing um, since you opened the whole head is weddings and stuff. I mean, the amount of weddings with the old manor house, like the old Andrew house, you have the old and the new build. It works very well for weddings. It's, you know, very unique, you know. It does think people are, and I think now that things are really finally starting to reopen again, I'm sure it's going to be a busy year ahead for you. Probably had plenty of cancellations over the past two years, but enough about that. We'll we'll, we'll come back to that again. But uh, with Anbrook there too, like, you know, it's it's classic. It's such kind of symbolic and, and of Irish hospitality in that it's very much a family-run hotel too. And you've got uh, at least four of your of your children involved in the yeah, day-to-day operations. Right. Do indeed, Rowan, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. David is still my eldest son. Vincent, second one down. Then comes Seamus, and then Anne Marie. And without them, I suppose, like, I am um, God be good to my wife. I lost her some twenty-one years ago, and um, I suppose this this was um, a huge challenge for us with the hotel and opening it, and it gave me a whole um, new wing to my life. And with my kids operating here with me on a, on, a, on a day-to-day basis as a family business the four of them are there it's absolutely brilliant like it's just, it's just uh, it was a whole new leaf to my life and I've got to be good to my wife late wife Glenda who came hail from the the North Island New Zealand um, it, it it was something a huge challenge us to open the hotel and build a hotel and open the hotel but when, when we went on to do that the local people of Mullingar really got behind us to support the hotel because we opened in very difficult times. We opened in 2007 when we're heading in for a recession. So without the huge support of the, of, of the Mullingar people and, and, and around the districts, we wouldn't have been able to survive, not to tell the truth, you know. Yeah, it is. When you put it like that, too, that, you know, 2007, we were really starting. To, I know we hadn't hit the rock bottom, but it was a tough time. But sometimes that often helps make a business. But it's fantastic to hear you say that, what you said about your late wife and the family, that you've really kept them around you. And I suppose you've all supported each other through it. Like, and it might be 21 years ago, but it doesn't lessen the impact on it. And um, it's, it's, it's great to hear that the local community responded to you as well. And I suppose what's easy conversation to have now is to look back over the past two years and talk about COVID and restrictions. But we can park that because you've got plenty of ambitions for the site and then the surrounding sites around the Anbrook Hotel. Would you like to tell us about what you've got planned? 
Yeah, the, the old Dunn stores, as people would have known on, on, on Austin Fire Street there, or, and then it was Easton's for a period. We, 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 we've managed to, um, to, um, to buy that building, and uh, we hope now to develop that. <clears throat> oh, we have it a couple of years now, but obviously with the COVID thing kicked in, there was, there was, there was no, 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 no point in starting to uh, make plans for it. But now that, uh, that, that the COVID thing has hopefully passed, we, 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 we went for a fleet planning meeting and the council were very happy 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 with us to uh to hear our plans to develop further fifty bedrooms to the hotel uh with some leisure in, in, in on the ground floor. So this would 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 bring a, a huge footfall uh to Mullingar along with to the hotel and would would be a, would would be a help to all businesses, you know. It is because it's been pointed out so often as well that the Midlands in particular, it's lacking, you know, just enough hotel and bed space about to cater for the amount of tourists that ultimately can cater for. So you're very confident that Mullingar, it's the place to be at the minute. There's been lots of big announcements about the town in the past couple of years too. So you're certainly hedging your bets on it. Oh, absolutely. No, and I have no worries at the moment. At the moment now, I can't believe it. Like, we're talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. It's been 100% occupancy in Mullingar. Now, this is sort of the, the, the conversations the Dublin hoteliers were having a few years ago that had 80% to 100% occupancy. But to have 100% occupancy in Mullingar on, on, on a Monday and Tuesday night, it just shows you the demand for accommodation in Mullingar, both on the commercial on the leisure side, you know. So we'd be hoping that this will push on and, and that other hotels, I mean, the Park Hotel is an absolutely fabulous hotel there as well. As you come into Mullingar, huge conference hotel and huge functions and everything. And we have the the, the Greville Arms there, brilliant hotel. Uh, does that. And every weekend, there, as our guests walk up the town, they say that's a brilliant hotel for music and carry on. And you have the Newbury at the end of the town also a very busy hotel, and then, of course, the Bloomfield that's sitting out on the edge of the lake there, another brilliant hotel in Mullingar. And what all, combined, we, ha, we, ha, we have a great um, uh, variety of accommodation uh, uh, in Mullingar, and hopefully with the up-and-coming, like the FLA event, first, uh, we, we, we're just inundated with phone calls and how we're going to cope with that. It's beyond belief now. We we could do with another two hundred bedrooms. Actually, maybe there might be a fast track council uh, planning process. You can go to there and get those fifty <laughs> rooms built quicker. It, it I sound, love the way you're thinking. <laughs> it sounds like it wouldn't be a bother to you. Look, we'll put the call out there. Anyone listen, give you a call there this evening, and let's get that get the wheels in motion. But I suppose back to today, Bertie. Uh, any plans to have an actual celebration tonight, or will you keep it low key? Oh yes, yes, <laughs> I, I am. Customers come in today and now and some very old aisle customers that have been coming to us here and left. Will you leave a pint behind the bar for Bertie? And to that, to me, meant more than than, 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 than than words, you know, just to come in and actually buy a pint and leave that there for Bertie and tell him congratulations for these 15 years. And so that will tell you the sort of loyalty we have from our customers. But I, 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 I must say, uh, Mullingar, I went to school in Caloocan, Back many years ago, I started in Ratwire, went to school in secondary school in Caloocan, two brilliant schools, and they're flying today, and it's unbelievable visiting them out there. And we've done some um, uh, a fundraiser there for Caloocan with um, Strictly Come Dancing, and we've done some practice sessions out there. And to see the schools out there and how they have come from the school the days I was out there, it's absolutely unbelievable. And and to come back to Mullingar and be now set up in Mullingar after spending number of years abroad and stuff like that. I never thought I'd end up in Mullingar. 
but uh, it's brilliant, you know, and I absolutely love it, and I love getting that. We're very much involved with the GEA there in town as well, and 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 Greta very much involved with the local community, try to help out where we can, and that. But very much behind Westmead, to all accounts, hurling football, all underage groups. There's some brilliant talent, talent Mullingar coming coming on. You'll see it now coming in the years to come. And it's a brilliant town. And you haven't even mentioned all your world famous musicians as well. But we have to stop you at some point anyway. And look, <laughs> at, and all I can say, Bertie, go in and enjoy those points. They're well earned, and at least you've got the four uh, kids around there to give you a hand get through them anyway. Because it sounds by what you're saying, you got a, there's a lot of them on standby for you. But enjoy the celebrations, and we'll talk to you again soon, Bertie. Yeah, Rona, just one to last thing, just to say, just a th- very big thank you to some of the staff there are with us from the start. A lot of the staff are with us this staff. A lot of the staff went away and came back. And I just want to say thanks very much to all our Lyle staff. And, and, and uh, Midlands 103 were there right at the start when we opened the doors too. <laughs> and we've always been had, had great association with. So thanks very much and thanks for the interview this evening. And thanks to all your listeners for their support. Not at all. Thank you, Bertie. And uh, listen, here's to your continued success there. That's Bertie Dunn, the owner of Anbrook House Hotel in Mullingar. And isn't it just a beautiful story? Isn't it really the, the sort of the, the essence of what an Irish hotel experience is? He's talking about, you know, loyalty from customers, loyalty from staff, the family connection, the family that have built the business and the business that has helped build the family or indeed rebuild the family as it could be, the local support and then the, that they get from people and then how they can transfer that back out into the community. That's a, it's just brilliant to hear and well done to Bertie and everybody in Anbrook House Hotel. Now, time for a quick break. After that, we're going to start looking at commercial disputes and how they can be resolved without having to go through the onerous and prolonged court process that can be costly. It can have bring about a lot of negative publicity and uh, indeed can just drag on and on and on for quite a long time. There's a simpler, more dignified solution. Find out about that after this break. Any business owner or indeed employee listening who has been involved in a commercial dispute in whatever business or sector you're in. Um, generally, I think most people's opinions would be of a process that is very protracted and elongated. It can generate a lot of negative publicity and it can be extremely costly. But there are ways of resolving commercial disputes without having to go to court and indeed facing the cost associated with it. Um, Because it's a huge issue for businesses, again, of all sizes, particularly in sectors where conflicts can often arise, such as construction. And that could be anything from like planning processes, as well as to procedures, infrastructure and contract queries, etc. So they find a little bit more about you know, where a lot of these um, kind of disputes actually arise from and indeed how we can go about solving them. I'm delighted to be joined by James O'Donoghue. James is a partner at Blewett and O'Donoghue. They're a multidisciplinary firm specialising in areas like project management, architecture, conservation, fire engineering and much, much more. James is also a chartered arbitrator. James, very good evening and welcome to Taking Care of Business. Thank you very much, Ronan, and uh, uh, thank you for having me online. James, when it comes to commercial disputes, and I suppose we'll stick with the sector you're most familiar with as well in construction, I think many people will be familiar of, of some kind of well-known disputes that have gone on. What in, what in principle, what's usually or predominantly driving and, and causing these disputes to arise in the first instance? Well, with regards to the construction uh, sector, uh, one of the distinctions about a construction contract is that you enter into a construction contract uh, where the works are defined to be carried out in the future. Uh, no money changes hands at the beginning. The money is as you go. 
in arrears, uh, typically on a monthly basis or on a stage basis. <clears throat> and of course, there can be uncertainties. Ground conditions uh, is one, existing buildings, meeting unknowns, um, right across the board. Uh, currently, uh, a, a distinct problem for contractors is uh, you, you, you tie down a price for something now, uh, you, you get the job, and then you find that perhaps your subcontractors are saying, well, look, our costs have gone up. We, we can't do it at that price. Um, and thus, it, it leads to issues. It, it's a complex area. Uh, but uh, the truth of the matter is uh, that the nature of disputes that arise in construction, they're, they're really, at the end of the day, not much different to disputes that arise in any sector, whether it's a supply chain, uh, whether it's uh, relationships, it's all about relationships and it's all about people. So for the Charter Institute of Arbitrators, it's, we're a broad uh, church. It, it says arbitrators, but actually it's everything from developing negotiation skills, uh, uh, availing of mediation, knowing what it is. The courts are very strong on people using mediation now. The construction industry has, has been very advanced on that insofar as we've had conciliation since the mid-1990s. There is now a statutory adjudication scheme, Construction Contracts Act 2013, for uh, construction cases where they can be resolved in a very short period of time, remarkably successful. And whether it's uh, for more, a bit more than €10,000 or whether it's €10 million or a, a lot more million, um, it, it's a 28-day procedure where parties can agree uh, to extend the time uh, the average period is 42 days, even for very large disputes. Uh, but really what, what our institute is about is promoting uh, skill sets in this territory. And uh, our two themes are um, events and courses. Uh, and I was hoping if it's okay with you, Ronan, to just mention one, very briefly, just one course we have coming up, <clears throat> 22nd and 23rd of March. It's an introductory course to alternative dispute resolution it's right across the board. It's not sector-specific. And it's uh, intended to cover everything, literally, from what I mentioned at the outset, um, uh, negotiation, mediation, um, conciliation, expert determination, consumer and workplace dispute resolution. Very, very important territory, particularly on the consumer side. And a, a little subset in consumer dispute resolution, which is online dispute resolution, all kinds of programs being developed for that now. Um, and it, so it's right across the board. It's two half days. Uh, there is, uh, if people wish, an assessment afterwards. There's a student rate. The details are all available uh, at www.ciarb.ie. And uh, is, is that particular inviting. course, is it aimed at a person at a certain level with a certain, certain skill set in the company or um, is it generally open <clears> for, for, for all applicants? I, well, we hope uh, that it has appeal across the board. We have a student rate and we're, we're promoting it with sort of um, uh, students in any uh, calibre, but mainly people who are perhaps in, in third level uh, in uh, ITs uh, uh, and in uh, universities, third level, uh, which would be attractive to uh, first, second, third years. Um, the, the idea is that... Uh, uh, it, it, it has a broad appeal. It's for business people, uh, for people in local authorities, um, HSE, in any sector where uh, there is interaction between people because uh, it, it takes at least two people to have uh, a dispute. 
uh, it, it's about people at the end of the day. And while I know it's probably you can't really put numbers in terms of you know, so if you got employees or you got people who get get this essential skill set, like if we look at the construction industry or even a different sector, whichever one you'd like to use, that we you know, we've mentioned how by by going through you know arbitration or even through conciliation, it can really expedite you know getting to a solution and it can cut out all the unnecessary you know legal costs and then the prolonged amount of time that takes. Was is the growth and kind of I suppose the courses you're offering and your membership is that fueled by industries or sectors realizing that there has to be a better solution and they're therefore seeing the benefits of, of undertaking arbitration or conciliation? But very much so. I, I think for Ireland, um, it sort of really kicked in in the early uh, 2000s, and then when we came to the recession, there was a lot of disputes, large, uh, large areas of disputes during the recession. It could be between banks and their, their their customers, it could be HR uh, sector uh, territory, but the, the volume of disputes went up. And I think the courts have been very consistent in encouraging people uh, where they can. There is the constitutional right, of course, uh, to access to the courts. Uh, but I think that our, our uh, judiciary has been strong on encouraging people uh, to to try out the alternatives. Uh, alternative dispute resolution means really alternatives to litigation. Um, and uh, as, as someone who's, who's in the territory, it's not my primary occupation, but uh, there's a deep satisfaction in seeing people resolve things uh, without allowing them to escalate uh, into something where not only are they having to to pay off the dispute that they had to pay off anyway, uh, or, or deal with in some way, or uh, successfully defend, but they're having to pay all the costs. So it, it's uh, it, it's a win-win situation. Uh, very satisfying to see it when it works well. And indeed, I know I know from experience as well, and, and listening, you know, talking to colleagues and, and other business owners too, that it, it's it's a process that can work extremely well, and particularly for for all the very reasons you've pointed out. But James, thank you so much for that update as well, and that sounds like a really important course. I think it's definitely one for people to keep an eye out for. If you could just give us the website address there again, in case people want to look yep. it up. Thank you very much, Ronan. It's um, uh, C I A R B at. Uh, so forgive me. It's uh, info. Or, uh, yeah, CIR. www.cirb.ie, and you'll, you'll see email links there and uh, contacts that you can make inquiries with, and and all all of that. Very welcome to have. Great to have people come on board with this. Absolutely. And look, I'm glad to bring that message out there because I know it's important for people as well. That's the introduction to Alternative Dispute Resolution course that James has just mentioned. But for now, James O'Donoghue from the, uh, Institute, the Charter Institute of Arbitrators, thank you so much for that update this evening. And as I say, anybody listening who has had to go through that whole process will probably know how valuable it can be and how much time saving and provided it works for you as if you have a constitutional right to go to the court if you so wish but there are often other alternatives there too often that can bring about a better and a much more mutually acceptable outcome so time for a quick break after that I will give a run through some of the spotlight events that will be taking place not next week but the week after as part of local enterprise office week 2022 keep an eye out for the hashtag making it happen because local enterprise week goes virtual for 2022 and a bit of a clarification I think at the start of the show I mentioned there would be some face to face events but apparently all events for local enterprise week are taking place online they begin on Monday the 7th of March 
and they keep going right through to Friday the 11th of March. There are multiple events happening kind of on a national level of which any of the local Enterprise Office members can dial into. There are some events then that are tailored towards the particular regions, towards Offaly, Leash and Westmead. To find out any more information about them, literally just go on to www.localenterprise.ie forward slash Offaly or Leash or Westmead and you can get access to the range of events that are taking place over that week. It is a key time for any business owners, any small business owners, anybody who is thinking of starting a business because companies have been urged to take advantage of Local Enterprise Week across the country after what has been a turbulent couple of years for small businesses. The Local Enterprise offices have launched their programme for Local Enterprise Week consisting over 220 virtual events. To give you a flavour of what might be taking place, if you go on to www.localenterprise.ie forward slash Offaly, we see everything from driving growth through digitising your business, food, consumer trends in 2022, retail, adapting and innovating in an ever-changing trading environment, digital marketing courses, boost your business online, social media mashup, future-proofing your small business using small tech tools, intellectual property, first steps in protecting your business, agile innovation, funding for innovation, going green from good to great, using lean for a competitive edge. And just look at that language alone that's been used in relation to businesses. Lean, agile, intellectual property, boost, you know, really is showing where local enterprises are helping to propel local businesses at this point in time. And despite the challenge of the past two years, it's been a highly successful period for the local enterprise offices. Looking nationally as well, some of those um, teams will continue on a national level as well. Um, show me the money. Raising finance for your business can be a real challenge. Join them for an afternoon online seminar featuring financing experts and organisations that invest in small and startup businesses. And again, I say that full range of programmes that are available, just check out www.localenterprise.ie forward slash then leash awfully or Westmead, depending on the region you're in. Get reg- registering early because um, feedback from so far has been that interest has been of a high level and places are limited and it's fantastic join in see where you can take your business for the rest of this year and into next year because as I said at the top of the show it looks like things are changing rapidly out there and stuff is open again and it's time to get out and and really get back to doing those things that we've been trying to do for so long and maybe have been a bit curtailed to do so it's not great it's a good feeling for people and long may it continue so other than that all I can say for tonight is thank you as always for listening thank you for your texts coming in it's always great to hear your opinions and thank you to tonight's contributors and I thought it was lovely just to hear from Bertie Dunn from the Anbrook House Hotel in Mullingar a fantastic story of entrepreneurship of family of just loyalty to your local community and loyalty from your local community. It's been a fabulous 15 years. He's going to have a few points this evening to mark the occasion. No doubt it'll be a nice little bit of a party in Mullingar. And the uh, future looks bright for them too as they look at um, adding another 50 bedrooms into the hotels and indeed into the number of beds that will be available in the Midlands over the coming year as hopefully tourists begin to flock back in. And uh, if you've got a spare minute over the next couple of days as well, why not go on to midlands103.ie and you'll find on the homepage there, there is a link and a box where you can click to download the Taking Care of Business newsletter. It contains all the standout interviews from the previous month's show and it uh, contains news items as well, as well as some great business news stories from across the Midlands because as we all know, it's a great place to do business. Always was, always will and long may it continue. That's it for me for this evening. Um, Up next, Joe Cooney is here with Country Roads after the news at 8 o'clock. Stay safe, um, have a good week, and I'll talk to you all next Tuesday evening from 7pm. 
Taking care of business. Returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.